So a prayer of the afflicted when he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. So affliction, right? Uh, so this is written uh, with a reflection of or going through the fiery furnace, uh, that, that time of affliction. Uh, affliction itself, just think of the word afflict, does not sound a like a comforting word, right? Uh, it, it's, 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 a, uh, it, it's a tough thing. You know, so when you think of, you know, this song, uh, this psalm was written as a prayer, it says, a prayer of the afflicted, right? So uh, consider what's being, you know, going, what's, what this person's going through. And, and, you know, why would we go through affliction? Why would we go through fiery trials, right? So you can look at the scripture and we can pull out the answers to those things for our purification, right? Um, you know, consider... Uh, gold, you know, where, where it's melted down and then, they, you know, after it's melted, they just take out the dross, all the junk from it, right? And then they just left with with pure gold there. Uh, so the, the purification, the, the, the perfection that James 1 talks about, right? Uh, so, so don't you know, count it all joy when you're faced with various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, right? So uh, think, think of those things, right? Uh, and then it goes on to speak of, of a, a perfection that comes, a maturity that comes uh, as a result of us going through a trial, right? You know, if uh, if somebody, the, the opponents or, or just the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, uh, consider when when there's an attempt to to shut down the church, just to to, to shut out Christianity, uh, and there's great persecution. The opposite happens. It's like the fanning of the flame. Where Christianity struggles is in the time of relaxation, that time of peace, because we grow into a point of really laziness, right? We, we grow lazy, uh, and uh, that's usually the worst part for the church. But persecution has had a, a great uh, you know, purification uh, effect on the church, and the church, like I said, is like a, a, a fan that's, that's flamed. And uh, sorry, a flame that's fanned. Yeah, you guys knew what I meant, right? Sunday night, you guys can know the deal, right? But you know, when you when you just fan that flame, and, and uh, that's that's what what you know those the what happens. So uh, consider those things when you're going through trials. Uh, they're they're good for us, and we also learn perseverance. You know, we may not understand uh, everything that we're going through, but we can understand this. We can train ourselves. To understand, okay, if I love God and I'm walking with Him, all things are working for good for me. I know that. You know, you can look right at Romans eight twenty eight, and it tells us that all things work for good for those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. You know, the fire does its work. All we need to do is trust God through that fire, right, and and press on. Uh, consider, you know, what happened with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they got thrown into the fire. Uh, they were no longer bound, but they also weren't burned. And those that threw them in, because it was that 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 furnace was heated up seven times hotter than it already was. It was so hot that those one that that threw them in there, they caught on fire and died. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were found loosed and walking with one who looked like the Son of God with them. Right. So we can trust that. And 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 I love their mindset, like. You can chuck us in there. Just know we we're not bowing. You know, if we die there, we die there. But uh, we we are sticking to our guns. We are going to walk with the Lord, and we're going to obey His word. 
and 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 they they had a um, a perseverance in in the face of that persecution that was happening in them. So uh, when we are overwhelmed uh, and we can pour out our, our our complaint before the Lord, we just need to be able to understand that we can cry out to Him. Verse two says, "Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in that day. I call that I call." Answer me speedily. You know, so in the midst of the trial, we know that the Lord's presence is near. Uh, there's, you know, his, this is uh, speaking of uh, his active attention to be put in our direction where he says, do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. In clear your ear, incline your ear. So, so look in my direction, Lord, and incline your ear to hear what I'm saying. Uh, is what's being said here. You know, Lord, I, I, I ask for your direct attention on what I'm going going through or what I'm facing and uh, to know that we're, we're not alone, that his face and ear are focused on our plea. It says, in that day uh, that I call. Uh, think of that. Uh, that might be the night that we call, right? Where the day we've stumbled through the day and, and made it through the struggle that we were going through, and now everything's quiet. You ever been there? Right? Okay, I made it through the day. Nobody knew that I was going through X, Y, or Z, and now I'm home, and I'm quiet by myself. And it's dark, and I'm alone, and I'm, I'm facing uh, this whatever it is in front of me. And what this is saying here is, in the day that I call, answer me speedily. In the night that I call, answer me speedily. And isn't that us? We want God's speedy response. None of us pray for the Lord to move slowly in our trial, right? <laughs> right? Lord, take your time, really. We can drag this right out. I'm really not minding, you know, being stretched out or, you know, being burned or, uh, you know, all of those things. We're like, Lord, whatever this is, can we can we speed it up here, right? I mean, look at us, right? You know, look at our, our culture. We want everything done fast, right? You need something heated up. You don't put it on the stove. You throw it in the microwave and nuke it, right? And 20 seconds later, your food is done. I don't know if that's even healthy for us, but it is what it, my brother will not use a microwave. He will not use it. He, he says, nope, I'm not using that thing. So he heats everything up on whatever. That's his thing, right? But when, you know, so I, I don't know of a time that I've ever been going through something that I want God to take his time uh, in meeting me and helping me in, in the trial that I'm facing. So he's asking, Lord, answer me speedily. You know, I need to, I need to hear from you now. That type of mindset, right? We, we usually aren't asking God to take his time. So when we cry out for his presence and response and uh, we wait and we expect his response, we should, as God's children, expect his response uh, because God said he's going to give us the response. He knows us. He knows our needs. Uh, he knows our needs before we know them. You know, I, I love when the Lord is talking about, hey, if you, you know, what you're going to need in your life, don't don't worry about what everybody else is, you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to, you know, don't worry about those things. You know, the Lord knows what you need and he provides what you need. We don't have to sit there and worry, um, but man, we love to worry, don't we? I mean, my goodness, worrying is like the easiest thing that comes to me. Worry, worry and fear. You don't even have to try for those things. They just come along. <clears throat> anything that comes easily to us, we've got to be weary of, right? <laughs> you ever thought of that? You know, the easy things? Wait for his response. Just trust him. In verse 3, For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burnt uh, like a hearth. 
you know, or, you know, that might, um, as you're looking at, you might, you might even have in uh, your scripture like a, um, like a furnace uh, that are uh, lifted or fireplace or uh, those things. But in this situation, days just seem to come and go. Uh, nothing of substance from them. It's just like smoke and fire. That's all you notice, right? Is the smoke and the fire of the day. Uh, it, you know, think of what's for my days are consumed like smoke. You know, think of how smoke will consume something, right? And uh, and where he says, and my bones are burned like the hearth. And you know, smoke and fire, not necessarily comforting description of of what the psalmist is facing. Smoke, fire, uh, and uh, the the fact that they're being overwhelmed uh, and pouring out their complaints and begging for God to pay attention. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, Whereas you do not know uh, what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, my days are consumed like smoke. Uh, I've, I've been there before uh, in, in times of trial and, tr and, and struggle where that trial is the only thing I'm thinking of. And it seems like, and what I would fear, honestly, was going to bed. Because I knew at bedtime when there was nothing going on and I'd lay my head down, I was like, oh, all I have to think of is this, <laughs> right? And then I'd wake up sweating, thinking of this, you know, uh, and whatever it is, you know, anxieties, fears, um, stresses, whatever it is, just knowing, and the Lord was so, so faithful to me to carry me through. But man, during the day, it just felt like smoke and fire. I, I can't relax. I can't sit. And that smoke is just going to overwhelm me. Those types of things. Just understand, you know, that if we consider our life, you know, how fast days can go. And sometimes slow, right? You know, it might, it might feel like there's a little bit of smoke and, and you're on slow cook, right? Oh, man, I wish this day would get over with. But oftentimes what I've noticed is, you know, the only thing I can focus on that is this, and I don't remember anything else that's gone on in the day. It's almost like it's just in a cloud, and and there's the the, the flame that seems like I'm just in a furnace and uh, going through those things. Where it's talking about my bones are burned, like that's deep down, right? Uh, to to be burned to the bone, you know, that that struggle uh, is 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 just eating me up inside. All you know is the burning fire in our bones and in our minds like a furnace, right? The inners are greatly afflict, uh, afflicted uh, by whatever circumstance we're facing. Verse 4 says, My heart is stricken and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my, of my groaning, my bones uh, cling to my skin. So there's a description of no appetite. No appetite. I don't even feel like eating. This man is going through it. Something very heavy that I don't even want to eat. I can't even, the, the thought of uh, eating doesn't even come into my mind. It, it's even saying here that, that I forget to eat my bread. You know, I've been worried. I've been going through this thing. So, oh my goodness, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't eat breakfast or lunch. It's too consumed by what's happening and, and what's going on. And then there's the description here of a groaning that's happening. We can understand that when groaning is happening within our lives, we don't know what's happening. Uh, and uh, God, I, I don't know, even know what to do. I can just groan. Look at Romans 8.26. The Spirit will, will, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, then the Spirit comes in and, and groans. 
uh, you know, that, that utterance uh, to the Father in our, on our behalf. You know, just the, we can just go to the Lord and be like, I don't even know what to say anymore, and sit in his presence. You know, that's what was happening uh, here for this psalmist. Not eating, uh, as a result of not eating, losing weight, right? We're weak. Uh, when, we, when we don't eat, we lose weight. We're weak. Our bodies, uh, there's an effect from it. Uh, in, high, in high school, I used to watch, um, I, o- I only had to really watch my weight uh, my senior year uh, of wrestling. But man, I used to watch guys, they come into practice 11 pounds over, you know, and, and I'm going, oh my goodness. And they've got nothing to lose. You look at them and you're like, their, their cheeks are already sunk in, and then they're wearing wetsuits, and they're wearing um, uh, solar suits on top of their wetsuits and sweatshirts. Loved wrestling that guy. He stunk so bad, right? Yeah, yeah, good guy and everything, but, man, it was so gross. Get a cross face, like, you know, from right here where all the sweat's coming, and he puts it right across your face, and you just got nothing but, yeah, all those things, right? Just, oh, gross, gross. And, man, wouldn't even eat. I remember, uh, and I don't mean, I, I, I won't, I'll spare you the details, but after not eating all week and you weigh in, you make weight, then people will pound food. Not recommended to have orange juice right after you haven't eaten all week. Okay, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, you know, those things, right? When you're not eating, you're losing weight. You know, talk about, you know, the, being overwhelmed. They would be overwhelmed, you know, by, by the task of, of making their weight that, that they were supposed to, but... Man, you know, when, when you're when you're so swallowed up in a trial that you don't even want to eat, you know, whatever, whatever that trial is, might be a long one. We always pray for it to be a short one, right? <clears throat> Where we got to force ourselves to eat, don't even have an appetite. Got to make sure. Got to make sure we're nourishing our bodies, nourishing our soul more importantly, but also we do need the bread, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, right? <laughs> Doesn't say man shall not live by bread. None of us would be here. We, we, we do need to eat. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a greater uh, spiritual food that we need to partake of. Verse 6, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and I am like the sparrow alone on a housetop. Might be looking going, why are we talking about pelicans, owls, and, and sparrows? But it's, it's referencing birds that are outside their dwelling place. They're outside uh, their normal element. You know, a pelican you don't see in the wilderness. You see a pelican near water, right? Uh, consider an owl. You don't uh, normally consider an owl a, a desert animal. It's near the woods. They, they're looking for mice. I was just uh, a friend of mine went down to um, uh, Portland a few weeks ago, probably a month or so ago now. Um, a month or so ago would have been right after Christmas. So, no, it was only about three weeks ago. Um, and uh, we were down there, and on the way back, he's like, he's like, look at that owl. And all the way up from, uh, I don't know, from the, uh, um, uh, I don't know, one of, uh, now I'm thinking the, it's it's a, a I, I can't even think, guys. The town, it starts with a B. Uh, what is it? Brunswick, thank you. From Brunswick to uh, uh, to Augusta. It's just these massive owls. I, I think red owls or whatever they were, gray owls. Um, they were a colored owl, okay? Um, and they're all just like on branches, lining up on, on the interstate. They're hungry, and they're smart, because they're all doing the same thing, right? They've, they've got it all set, like, you know, state troopers on the interstate, right? They're all spread out in their little things there. You know, they, they know what they're doing. These owls are smart. 
Uh, and they're big. I saw one of them that didn't quite make it. Got hit by by uh, um, by a uh, car going by. But an owl doesn't sit in the desert. It's looking for something to eat, right? So it's you're going to see those in the woods. Uh, you know, a lonely sparrow that's being described here that's sitting on the rooftop all by itself. Something that's completely uh, what he's saying is is nothing is is in order. Uh, I, I'm completely out of my element. If you were to you know compare me compare it to something compare me to a pelican that's in the will uh, that's in the wilderness you know not where it should be not where it's going to find its nourishment and its comfort uh, that's the the description that's uh, being given here verse uh, verse eight my enemies reproach me all day long those who deride me swear an oath against me so so those. Uh, opposed are are afflicting. Uh, they're, they're they're oppressing here, and it, the oaths that are uh, are being described here to destroy, to take joy, peace, uh, make things difficult. You know, I had my um, years and years ago when Calvary Chapel and, and uh, well Calvary Chapel Bangor, but in Orrington when they had the the school there. Uh, had a wrestling team there that I would help out with. Uh, Alan Dina's son, Alex was on the team. And, um, we had these, these sweatshirts, uh, some guy that I think he drew like Superman. Um, uh, do, do you remember Alan at all? I think he, I think he drew Superman for DC comics. And, uh, what's that? Oh, okay. I thought we had an answer. Yeah, it was for DC. So yeah, the, the guy's like a, a, a legit, artist and uh i found my my sweatshirt recently calvin chapel wrestling on the back it says for we wrestle not wrestle not against flesh and blood right and it's this angel and demon you know locking up and wrestling it's a really really cool sweatshirt actually had it on yesterday i was at uh chick-fil-a and and uh um uh garth barini's like that's an old sweater that's an oldie but goodie he said you know but th there's the reminder on the back that, that it's not, we're not only going to uh, experience, we have to understand that when we're facing trials or we're facing things in this life, it's not always just the, the person on the other side. We have to understand we have an enemy that wants to derail us from our faith, that wants us to forsake our faith and just go along like, uh, you know, everything's fine. You got this all by yourself. You don't need God, right? So we have to understand that, uh, that our battle oftentimes is is not with flesh and blood. Sometimes it is, but we have to understand the bigger picture of what's happening here. We have to understand that no weapon formed against me shall stand and nothing can separate me from the love of God, right? So if we, if we can uh, understand those things, we can face these types of circumstances that are being described here. You know, the, oh man, I feel like I'm in a furnace, that there's just smoke consuming everything. I feel like I'm crying out and God isn't, you know, those, those things, right? You the feel, I feel this, I feel that. We have to recognize, wait a minute, <laughs> reel in my emotions and go, what does the truth of God's word say? What can I, what can I rest my hope upon? Right, because if we're, if we're following our feelings all around and our feelings are taking us to despair, then we see what feelings do to us, right? We can't trust our heart. God did give us emotion. We do have emotions, right? We, he's, he's given us emotions in our lives. We're not supposed to be robots, but we have to be able to keep control of our emotions. We can't let our emotions be the thing that's controlling us. We have to control our emotions. Say, wait a minute, this is getting way out of hand. Relax. What does God's word say? 
open it up and go, this is what I'm going to meditate on. I'm going to meditate on the word of God, not on the situation I'm in, but I knew I, I have to remind myself that I can trust in the Lord and he's going to, to care for me. Uh, there's, you know, scripture tells us that there's nothing can separate that, that can separate us. Romans eight, right? From the love of God, heights, depths, whatever it is. Verse nine, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. That does not sound like, you know, you want to sit down and, you know, have it's not tea and crumpets. That's being described here, right? The ashes. I've eaten ashes like bread. You know, what he's talking about this, this uh, you know, if you think of ashes, you know, it's representative of something that's burned, right? That's what ashes come from. You don't just get ashes. There's something that's burned and died. And, you know, when you consider ashes, right, it's, it's a picture of mourning. Uh, eating ashes would be like eating, you know, if they eat those things like you'd eat bread. None of us are going to be like, oh, hey, cool. Hey, look at this one. A little bit longer here, and you know, I don't know what this was. Maybe it was a, you know, uh, you know, pine or something. We're, we're not going to find that to be uh, anything comforting to eat. Drink contaminated by tears, right? I just that this is a heavy situation that's being described here. Verse ten, because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like sor uh, like a shadow that lengthens, and I wither away like grass. So our circumstances can lead us to believe that God is against us. Uh, now, when you look at verse 12, you see the truth come in, right? So this is the, this man's emotions uh, coming out here, you know, because of your indignation, indignation, your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. Uh, my days are like shadows uh, that lengthen. Uh, a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. You know, this situation, like a shadow that lengthens, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's going to end. The wither uh, away like grass that's being described here. Am I going to make it through this? Am I going to, you know, is this going to be something that I, that I'm going to survive? Because it seems like there's no end in sight. That shadow that's that's casting over me just seems to be extending, right? You know, you know when the sun goes down or there's something there, uh, the the longer the shadow can be, right? Because it, it just the when the sun leaves and it starts getting darker or whatever, you know. But when you know shadows when the when the sun's right above us, you know the shadow's right there. But when that the the trajectory with the sun and us, we can see that shadow lengthen, and then as it's going down, it just starts. Uh, getting longer. This thing's just not going away, right? The shadow is is lengthening, and uh, it just seems like, man, you know, there's just something there uh, that's just going to keep going, and I'm not seeing an end uh, to it, and I'm just going to wither away like grass. Here's the contrast. So verse 12, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. That understanding that God is eternal, that he is love, then we can rest knowing we're in his hand. I may be facing this or that that doesn't seem to end, but God doesn't end, right? So so if there's something facing us that doesn't, I don't see an end in sight. This thing just seems to uh, continue to get longer and longer here. And when we can see here that this is describing something uh, of a change of mind, but but you, O Lord, shall endure forever. You know, this thing seems like it's going to, going to go on forever, but I know better. But I know better. The Lord shall endure. This isn't going to endure forever, but the Lord will. And the remembrance of your name to all generations. 
We don't have to worry about it when we understand, when we have a proper perspective of what's going on. We can then find rest in the Lord. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. So the mercy in favor of God and in his perfect timing that that Israel uh, would be. This is speaking of God coming and showing mercy on Israel and showing uh, his favor. And for us in our lives. Right. So if, if our lives are uh, in submission to God's will, we can trust that the Lord is going to have mercy on me and uh, that he is going to show me his favor because he's good and he's God. Right. So you remember Jesus saying, you know, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, you know, how much more your father who lo- and your father in love in heaven who loves you it can give you good gifts. Right. We even know. Right. If our son asks us for a piece of bread, we're not going to like, hey, here's a stone. Have fun you know, chomping on that. Oh, you need something. Oh, well, here's a scorpion. You know, hey, we're not going to do anything like that. Jesus was saying, because we know that's stupid. We know that's wrong. But our good father in heaven is, is the one that we you know, sometimes isn't it easier to trust in what we can see. If I just had this, this would all be over with. And we don't understand that if we cling to the Lord, we cling to his word and to cling to his promises, that's where we're going to find our strength. If we just go to earthly, earthly relief, if God has blessed us with whatever it is, amen, right? But we have to acknowledge God did this. God is the one that provided this. Because if we're just saying, oh, it was just finances and I just needed this and really just needed a second job. and No, no, <laughs> we got to go back and go, wait a minute, where was I and where did God take me? I just need to follow him and trust him, and he's going to bring the provision for me. Verse 14, for your servants take pleasure in her stones, in Israel's stones, and and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth uh, your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. Um, The Lord that... uh, Sorry, the work that God does uh, in and through Israel is going to bring him glory. The psalmist was sure of that. You ever looked at Israel on a map? Really? Like, have you ever just, like, pulled out a map, tried to find Israel? It's, like, smaller than Rhode Island, I think, you know, an actual. I mean, that's a little tiny place. And what's being described here is is uh, verse 15 says, So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall bring up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. That little nation. It's not like this massive nation that God chose. It's the little things, right? It's, it's, it's the low things that God chose to humble those that are strong, that are wise, right? He, he just He loves to take something. That is, uh, that is little and, and make it something. Because it goes against everything that we would understand, right? You know, think about it. When, when, um, when uh, Saul was picked to be a king of Israel, right? So Israel's demanding a king. And uh, in their demands, you know, God's pleading with them. Like, you don't need a king. I'll be your king. Just follow me. No, we want to be like everybody else. We, got a, we want a king. So God gave them exactly what they thought they would want for a king. Somebody who's good looking. You know, he's at the tribe of Benjamin and you know he's head and shoulders above everybody else. 
Oh, that's our guy. That's our guy. Big, strong presence, good looking. That's the guy we want to represent us. His heart was not right to be the king, was it? Saul, Saul uh, you know, started off well, but then he became big in his own eyes. That was Saul's problem. And he started listening to, to uh, what he wanted over what the word of God said, right? And he started rejecting the command of God and doing, uh, and, and, then, and then deflecting the blame, trying to blame uh, Israel, trying to blame everybody else on oh, your people. You know those people. When Samuel's there, it just just right in, in Saul's face about his rejection of God's word. You reject God's word, he's going to reject you. And he lost a spot. Who came next? David. David was the youngest of the sons, right? So when when uh, Samuel was sent to Jesse's house, Jesse's like, "Oh, here to here to look for for a king." Okay, so oldest to youngest, and bringing everybody out. Nobody's nobody's the one. Samuel's looking at him, and the Lord's like, nope, not that one. And at, at the end of everything, you know, Jesse's like, well, yeah, so nothing, huh? No. And he's like, is that it? I'm paraphrasing, right? Oh, there's David. You mean the guy that's out there tending the sheep? He's probably out playing his guitar. You know, he's probably just out, hold on, we'll call him in. They call David in, right? And the rest is history. The one that you wouldn't think. Right. God cho chooses those that you wouldn't think. Right. We can just look at our lives. <laughs> Why would God choose me? Right. Why would God choose to give his, uh, to show his mercy and his grace in my life? I don't deserve it. Having discussions with people today. I, it's literally saying out of their, 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 their mouths. I don't deserve God's grace. And they weren't just saying it. they meant it. I do not deserve this. Right. That is the heart that, that we need to understand. God wants that, that, oh, that broken thing. Yeah, I, I'll take that. This thing's all messed up. Yep, I can take that. You know, the one that seems to be the one uh, it, it, that, hey, this is the one we'd want and everything. God's like, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. Right. We studied this morning. Right. We're, we're, we're talking about um, the Lord's plan and uh, in Romans chapter nine and and that uh God chose the second born. You know, we got Abraham and his second born would have been Isaac. And he chose his second born of Isaac and Rebekah to be the one that is, is the chosen one uh, for his redemptive plan to come through in Jacob. Not Esau, the, you know, the older shall serve the younger. Right? God just does things differently. He'll, he'll grab somebody, uh, you know, this little thing like Israel. Why? So he can get the glory. Right. Think of what Egypt went through. God is saying, I will show them that I am the Lord. I will show them that I am God. Not these things that they're worshiping. I will show them. He's good. He, he works on a whole different level. You know, where, where it's talking about all these things here. Verse 14 says, for your servants take pleasure in her stones and uh, show favor uh, to her dust. And, and, and then there's just the glory of the Lord that's mentioned on from there, the fear uh, and uh, that the kings are going to um, of the earth are, are going to uh, fear the Lord's glory for the Lord shall build up Zion. You know, the, that when, when it's all said and done, it's going to be God that is glorified. It's not going to be uh, of the mindset of, oh, hey, look, look at what's going on. When you look at Israel, there are a lot of people, I've heard them say this, like, oh, Israel's military, you know, they're, they're ready. You know, no, nobody can take them down. 
right? Look at the, all you got to do is look at the scripture. There were times where they're outnumber, outnumbering their opponents and they get their butts kicked because they weren't uh, in submission to the will of God. And they were rejecting God's will. They were sinning. And what ends up happening, they get their butts spanked and sent home. And they've got to repent. And then, you know, God would bring them back there. Israel's strength is not in their military. Did God give them a military? Are they proficient? Yes. Right? And hopefully God continues to give them uh, much victory. Right? But that's not where their strength is. It's not where our strength is. Our strength is in the Lord. If we sit here and go, well, you know, my portfolio is built up pretty well. Uh, pretty much uh, set to, to face this, that, and the other thing. Can't trust in those things. We can. We need to trust in the Lord. Understand that God wants the glory. Verse seventeen: He shall regard the prayer of the destitute, and he shall dis, uh, and he shall not. Uh, he sh sorry, and shall not despise their prayer. You know, no matter our lot in life, we have to look to heaven. We have heaven to look for, right? Forward to. You know, we're not we're not just stuck here. Right. So that prayer of the destitute uh, and uh, understanding that uh, we have one to pray to, you know, if we're if we're uh, desperate, we're, we're in a time where uh, we've got to lift up a prayer to the Lord. God uh, does. He, he does regard the prayer. He doesn't despise it. That's not oh, you pathetic thing. Do I have to save you again? Do I have to help you out? Right. Right, we can get to that point. I've heard time and time again, like, yeah, I don't really want to bug God with my problems. He's got other things. And I, I just cried, no, 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 no. He cares about the minute details of your life, the smallest detail of your life, the smallest thing. You know, God, God is very, very detail oriented. All those little things that are going on, God wants. He, he, he knows all the needs. He knows all these things, and He's not despising our prayers. You know, who who would do that, right? If you know that you could help somebody, and and they come to you and they say, "Hey, you know, I, consider a neighbor," right? A neighbor comes over, uh, maybe a, an elderly lady. Uh, she she can't even shovel off. You know, she's like, I. You know, she calls you and says. Hey, I, I can't open my door. Would you come over? How many of us are going to be like, sorry about your luck. I despise this phone call. Click. Right. If we do, we have to consider whether we are walking with the Lord or not. Right. We have to be able to understand that if we can look at those things and we're not going to despise those things, why would God despise the cries of his people reaching out to him saying, Lord, would you help me? He's not bugged by us praying to him. He tells us. Come to me. Let me be your strength. Right? That's how he works. So, uh, you know, this, remember, this psalm all talked about, ah, I'm going through it all. You know, I'm going through the press, and my life is just, you know, I'm going to come out like a sheet of paper, right? I'm just going to get pressed right down flat, or I'm burning up, whatever it is. But then the meditation switches. Then the focus switches to, excuse me, to the Lord. He regards the prayer. He will not despise the desperate prayer of his children to him. Verse 18, uh, they will be written for the, uh, for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That's a cool verse. That's really neat. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Created, made by God, created. 
that somebody would come for that next generation. That you know, we have to understand. You know, uh, any of us can share how God ministered to us. We can share how God heard our prayers, how God attended and met our needs, how He fought for us and won. That He would get the glory. If we're sharing that with anybody younger than us, right? This is speaking those people that aren't even born yet, not even created yet, it says. Be ready to share. You know, young people looking to start a family, be ready. Be ready to share. Train up our children, right? We see these little kids running around. They're doing something. Hey, stop that. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. Go listen to your parents. They don't, then go get their parent and say, they're not listening. Right. I know for me, that's what I would appreciate. My kids knew, though, <laughs> it didn't take long. Right. You guys ever been shopping? Anybody had kids with, you know, your shop? You've seen the kid just flail and spinning around. Eh, you know, they're in a circle. My kids did that one time. <laughs> they got their butt spanked right in the car. And uh, and then all it took from then was a warning here or there. And they didn't act like that. Right. There are times that that we're going to have to, you know, put our foot down. And stick to it, those things, right? So we're teaching them those things. The most important thing we need to teach them are these things to pass along to the next generation. Faith. You know, our, our family members, our grandkids, uh, whoever it is, just talking about what the Lord's doing in, in, in our lives. You know, instead of, instead of always having the small talk, right, for me, this has kind of opened up a little bit more. People, people that I know, uh, you know, family member, friends, or whatever, they're like, "So how are things going at church?" Or there's like total avoidance of it. But I don't, I haven't experienced that a whole lot. You know, my family's pretty you know, loving, supporting, and all that stuff. But how are things going at the church and those things? And I get to boast on God. I get to say, "Man, God is doing so much." Guys, have you looked at the the, the washcloths that are out there? That box overfloweth, right? We were, we were talking about that earlier. That thing is just, uh, there There was some in there that was starting to fill up, and I mentioned it uh, this morning. I didn't realize people had already come in, and like, stuff's falling out of it. So many people for Operation Christmas, I was so excited for that, that there's so much stuff there. <laughs> and then it came to mind, like, it takes me a minute sometimes. I'm not a, a strategist. There's a reason I wasn't working on logistics. I can get logistics, but I'm not a logistics guy, okay? Um I'm sitting there, and I, it took me a second, and, and we're and a few of us talking after church. I'm like, we're going to need to store all this stuff. <laughs> As this stuff's going in, I'm like, we're going to have to make sure we like we can put this stuff somewhere. right? That was, I didn't think of that before, and then I should have known what happened at Christmas time, right, with First Step. right? Everybody gets excited, and presents are rolling in. I mean, we filled up Jen's pilot. Just That thing was all right full. I should have known better. Right. And, and, and I can share those things of just, you know, what God does in this church, what he does in stirring the heart. I'm not standing up here begging or, or shaming anybody to do it. No, everybody's listening to the stirring of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And they're just like, yeah, I want to get I want to get involved with what God's doing here. I want to get involved with what God's doing there. I want to invest in this person's life. I want to do these things and just watching these things. And the boast is God. The boast isn't, oh, you know, we, you know, we got that advertising agency and they told us, hey, this is your church growth plan. This is everything that you need and all those things. We, none of that. We can just say, no, God's doing awesome things, stirring hearts. And people are being ministered to. People are being saved. And the gospel is going out. 
I have a lot of people that tell me, oh, oh yeah, you know, my mother or mother-in-law, whoever are watching online, that's the only reason we keep this thing going is, uh, you know, they, 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 they're, they're watching. You know, so if somebody's watching, it takes two seconds to set that thing up. These guys know what they're doing. They run the levels and, and boom, okay, now it's being broadcast. You know, and, and uh, for those that can't get here, it's something there. But the the focus should always be the Lord, that the next generation to come, right, in this generation and in the next, right? I want my kids to be wa walking with the Lord. That's what I've told them. Jen and I have told them all along. friend of ours over in, in Washington, Jonathan Schmitz, um, lost his dad to cancer um, when he was in high school. Yeah, high school. And his dad died of cancer, and they had like seven kids, you know. And I think Jonathan's the oldest. No, he's not. No, he had he had an older brother. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, Jonathan uh, would be told by his parents, and we were pretty. We you know we had been walking with the Lord a little bit, but but actually like getting into like ministry stuff and everything is really uh, really we were diving in when we got to Washington State, and uh, <clears throat> I just remember Jonathan saying, you know, the only pressure. Not even a pressure. The only the only thing my parents ever re, you know asked of me and, and what they said they wanted from my life was for me to walk with the Lord. Whatever I'm doing, as long as I'm seeking the Lord, they don't care what I'm doing. And we started that with our girls. Girls, I do not care whether you go to college. I don't care. I still don't care. You want to go to college? Great. You don't want to go to college? Great. Seek the Lord. Ask him to reveal what, what uh, he wants in your life and just follow him. He's going to, if he wants you to go to college, he'll lead you to college. You know, all of those things. So, so that next generation, when that next generation is coming down, that we would be uh, so quick to share God's faithfulness, being able to share with the next generation. Be, just of, of the fact that he delivers, that, that God showed himself strong here and he showed himself strong here. Consider what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 say, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your head. And, uh, and uh, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying is, hey, when you're going for a walk, this isn't, I, I remember listening to, to Ken Graves talk about this. Uh, he's just describing, like, we don't have to try to force, like, you don't have to sit down. All right, kids, everybody sit down, and we're going to just have absolutely nothing wrong with this. Please don't, don't mistake this. That every time you talk to your kids, that, you, that it has to be in a Bible study setting in your house. This is talking about when you're out walking, you can point out something and go, look at that tree. Isn't that amazing how that, how that was made? Look at the bird that's flying. And you just talk about the Lord and just share these things. You know, that reminds me of this or that. They're going to remember those things. And that next generation is going to understand who God is and their need for a relationship with him, their own personal relationship with him. And then that next generation that's coming, the one to be created, will praise the Lord. That that one can, that they understand how strong he is, what he has done, how faithful he is. That, you know, that legacy of faith would be uh, handed down. Verse 20. 
For he, the Lord, looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven, the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. God seeing the affliction. God was well aware of what was happening to his children. He's hearing the groaning. And what it says here is that he looked down and he viewed, verse 20, and, and he's, he's attentive. And, and he also heard the groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to death. The hearing, you know, hearing the groaning. Release the captive, right? We studied through Acts recently. You know, where, where uh, there, was murder, there were murderous plots to kill the apostles and God would deliver them for his purposes. He wasn't done with them. We saw some of them lose their lives, right? We saw some of them off. They just lost their life. John, you know, I'm sorry, James lost his head, right? John the Baptist lost his head. We saw that. Then you think of, uh, you know, a Stephen stoned to death for sharing the gospel. They, they did lose their lives. But according to God, think, you know, nothing's going to happen outside of God's will. We're in his hand. If it's our, you know, just think about it. Like, remember, look at Paul. He's like, yeah, you know, if I die, I die. You know, uh, so if I die, I go to be with the Lord. And if I live, I stay here and I help you guys. You know, I'm really torn, you know, which one. I think it's better to be with the Lord. But God's got me here. I'm just going to be focused on those things. Just that our rest and our peace would come from that. Knowing that the Lord can deliver, that he hears, uh, that we're not just crying out. Where, where our prayers ever thought this, my prayers aren't going to anybody. They're just hitting the ceiling or they're hitting a closet wall or they're just in my car. And that you know, God isn't hearing. And then God reveals, I did hear. Wait a minute. When we can reflect, we come out of that, you can look back and go, oh. <laughs> so he did hear. And maybe I just needed to wait upon him. Right? We sing these songs about waiting on the Lord. But when it comes to having to wait on the Lord, man, none of us like to do it. We just want him to act right now. To declare the name of the Lord, that he would be praised, right? Verse 22, when the peoples are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. You know, that can go uh, back uh, with those, those previous verses also. Verse 23, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh, my God, do not take me away from the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. <laughs> when we uh, look at these things, we just have to trust God uh, through these. Oh, my God, do not take me away from the midst of my God. I, you know, this is the best thing I have here. Don't take me away from this. <laughs> oh, what? To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. God takes us from this earth, guess where we're going? To be in his presence. If our, if our life is only focused on, yes, if, is our life precious to us? Yeah, but if we count it like it's not precious, then we're not going to worry about it. Yes, we've given a precious gift of life. Don't get me wrong. But man, if, if that's all we're focused on, we have to understand who God is. And, you know, we leave this place, we're going to be with him. Verse 25. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, uh, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, 
and they will be changed. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. Will pass away. Not might. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You know, when, when you look here and, uh, you know, the heavens are the work of their hand of, of the Lord's hand. We can look up in amazement and uh, just understand, you know, the foundation of their, all these things. They will perish, but you will endure. You know, the, the save the earth things, and you've heard me say this, so I'll just say it quickly. Should we be good stewards of what we're given? Absolutely. Should that be the main focus of our lives? Absolutely not, right? There are people here with eternal souls that need to be saved, right? And we're, we're more worried about saving a tree than we are saving a person. Our priorities are off. Because all of this that we see around us, uh, it, it's, it says they will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. Uh, you will change them. Yes, they will be changed. Jesus said it. And if Jesus said it, I'm not going to argue it. You guys ever heard the story of somebody arguing uh, with um, with Chuck Smith? I, that, was it this crowd or not? I don't know. He was in a, in a phone interview, and I can't remember what they were they were discussing. Uh, but he was part of a panel over the phone, and um, uh, and Chuck Smith. There was a, somebody there opposing uh, the word of God, and and Chuck's like, you know, you know, Jesus Christ said this, and they're like, well, yeah, and and he goes, let me get this straight. Are you saying that you know better than Jesus Christ when he said this? The guy's like, yeah. Chuck just hung up, done with the conversation. Radio station scrambling. Oh, we you know we, uh, we got to call him back. He got disconnected, and he answered the phone. No, I didn't get disconnected. I hung up the phone. I don't have us talk to somebody that's smarter than Jesus. He was done. He didn't it, it, like, no, if this guy is claiming to be smarter than Jesus Christ, I've got nothing to do with him. Right. Anybody smarter than God. When Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. His words, right? You can look in Isaiah 55 and, and see that uh, I think it's Isaiah 55 where it says the word of the Lord goes out and it accomplishes will. It doesn't come back to him void. God's word is, is going to go out. It's going to do what he wants it to do. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Right. Think, think of right when you look at the heavenly pictures that are described even in revelations, all based on the word of God. <laughs> right. Heaven and earth. Who cares about heaven and earth when we're not here? Right. This this sky that we can look at, this heaven and this earth, as beautiful it is as it is, God's beautiful creation. This doesn't mean anything when we're in His presence. It means absolutely nothing to us. We're not gonna look back like, oh, really miss that? Really miss shoveling? You know, I miss the cold of the winter. We, like, we're not gonna look back and go, man, I miss skiing, snowmobiling, and you know, no, no, those things aren't. But we are going to be able to go. It was the word of God. When I heard this, that, you know, and I believe that, and it's, it sparked a believing faith in me, right? It, going through uh, in the jail uh, ministry study uh, Wednesday, uh, when this past Wednesday, I'm explaining to those that just came in, uh, because we're in our second week, I, I wanted to kind of capture all the, the things that we did in the first week and explaining, like, John wrote this to spark believing faith in the reader. He wants people that are reading to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. By the word of God, right? When we hear, when we can look and, and, and we see faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, you know, how's our heart and our mind going to hear? We open up the scripture and go, oh, 
This is the truth. This is what I need to follow. When we get to heaven, we're going to be so grateful for that. We're not going to remember all this other stuff. We're not going to long for those things. We're going to be praising God for his words that saved us. Verse 27, but you are the same and your years will have no end. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the earth and all that's in it will be destroyed. God's going to create a new heaven, new earth, all that stuff. God is eternal. He's the one we should focus on. You are the same and your your years, your years, your years will have no end. He's eternal. He's the one we focus on. Verse 28, the children of your servants will continue and the descendants will be established before you. Let the legacy of our faith continue to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, right? Remember, when I was a kid, my parents telling me to pray. My parents telling me, hey, you know, my brother, my oldest oldest brother saying, hey, you know, you should read the Bible. You know, they always, because I was reading the Bible by my, the, the Lord just it sparked a believing uh, a drive, you know, the Holy Spirit just just drawing me into the Lord. I'd sometimes just feel a need if my family wasn't going to church. Uh, I might just walk to church by myself, and I'd walk to our Catholic church a few blocks away, and the Lord was ministering to my soul then. The Lord ministered to me through my oldest brother. Seeing me read the Bible, he's like, oh, yeah, they say you should read that uh, in your lifetime. And I'm like, cool. You know, I wanted to be like my brothers. I wanted, you know, I'm the youngest boy of the family. I'm like, cool, I can learn something. You know, it's an encouragement. You know, if he would have said, oh, you shouldn't, I, I, I don't know. If he would have told me, you know, hey, you're a loser, stop reading that. I don't know what my response would have been. I probably would have been like, hey, I want to just, I want to be like my brother, and I don't want him to be disappointed in me. I'm going to close it. The Lord spoke through him to speak to me, to encourage me in reading it. Oh, God is so good. That just you know that uh, your that the children of your servants will continue, right? The children of your servants, because what's happening in your life? Those that work for you, anybody you know, own a business or have owned a business. If you're being a Christian uh, at your workplace and you're uh, reflecting Jesus Christ, you're speaking of Jesus, and, and and then you get the opportunity to share the Lord with somebody that you're working with, then that person gets saved. And then they start growing in the Lord and they're bringing their kids to church. That's what this, this is talking about spreading the word of God spreading and, and faith spreading and continuing on through. It even says the children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Their children. You know, when this, that, that big, your, that, that, that's speaking of the Lord. Right. The children of your servants. Think of that. OK, so that's obviously speaking of the Lord, that your servants talking about them. But consider what can God do through us that that they're going to come to the Lord and become his servants. Right. Think of those things. Right. How is my life being lived to glorify God? The way I'm speaking, the way I'm working. How is that going to affect anybody else? That, that they're going to become servants and children of God. And then that legacy is going to be built within their families. Guys, we have people that, that come here, mothers that come here, and, and the, the, the father won't come to church with them. The mother is the one leading them. God is being faithful for those kids to be brought up in God's ways. And he's ministering, and he's strengthening them. 
right? I, I remember Will talking about Will. Will grew up. His dad died in a, in a construction accident at four years old. Nanny Cass, yeah, Sheila raised three kids, and based on the stories he's told, she had her hands full with those guys. Rebellious, everything. But she would whip their butts and, and, and correct them, and she'd drag them to church, right? And what, what happened? One of them ends up being a pastor. The other one, uh, Jeff, uh, was, was a Christian and attended here with us before he passed away from cancer. You know, she just buckled down. You know what? I'm going to serve the Lord, right? And when this is talking about the the, the children of your servants, my children are, are going to continue and their descendants will be established before you. My children and their children and their children. There's a legacy of faith that's there. It may not. It may be a tough thing. It may be a, a mom bringing their kids here and, and the dad won't come. Might be the, vice versa, right? We've, we've seen that. Whatever opportunities we have. I know of grandparents that bring their grandkids here because the parents won't bring it. Right? Just think of, okay, so how can the Lord use me that those who work for me or those that are around me, that, that I'm just going to proclaim the Lord to them and they can be included in something like this. And God is so good to us, isn't he? He's so awesome. When you consider where this, this thing, uh, this psalm started, the broken heart, the just crying out, man, I feel like I'm just being consumed and I'm being burnt and all these things. It reminded me of uh, the, the, the hymn, uh, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And um, when, when we go through and the focus shifts in verse 12 onto the Lord, right, just made me think of this. My hope is built on nothing less. One of the verses says, his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood, right? That whelming flood that's being described here. Something's overwhelming that's taking over. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. You know, we can just cling to the Lord and go, he's my hope and stay. There's craziness all around me. This is burning me up. This is consuming me like smoke. I don't even know what's going on. What way's up, down, whatever. I can just trust in the Lord. He's good to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. That you take us through. Lord, there are times that, that we are, uh, are just experiencing your blessings and peace. And let us rejoice in those times. But when we're faced with trials and we're, we're faced with suffering and, and doubts and, and those things, help us to remember your faithfulness, who you are, that you're in control of everything, that that whelming flood isn't what determines uh, you know, our outcome, but you are. We need to trust you in those things. You know, when we can learn something, you know, from Peter stepping out into that wave, and you know that that things were uh, were going okay as he was fixated on you, and when he started looking at his circumstance, and as as when he started sinking, takes his eyes off. Help us not to take our eyes off of you. Help us to keep that eternal perspective of who you are knowing that you're greater than uh, anything we can face in this life. Help us to trust in you in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Have a blessed week.